Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Yeah, well, let me let me ask you this. I want to just go back. Let, let's look at this, uh, w- uh, what you started with there. The uh, romantic comedy with the genie, because that's probably like, you know, the very, you know, the smallest form of this whole thing at the beginning stages. So from the actor's perspective, how does this work? Is this from the audience side? Is it truly, you know, vote on choosing your own adventure or are the actors, uh, you know, pre-scripted and rehearsed on 10 different directions the show could go in? How does it how does it work? I just want the audience to understand from their perspective how it works and then from the actor's side. Sure, that that version of the show, right, or that version of a show was that the whole thing was scripted. The actors had to know every every possibility, but there were maybe only fifteen choices in the show. If I remember, if I remember, it's been a while, but like, but there weren't that many branches to the narrative that that were done. It was still interesting, and it was still a larger than average script, but it was entirely manageable uh, because. The the branch the nodes what we call them now the nodes were 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 relatively easy to deal with um, and the variations weren't so great and also you had this um, you had this sense of track right so when I say there were three women that the audience choose, it was about I don't know a quarter of the way through the show I think that that moment happened and then the show is on three tracks and for the guy. The tracks are pretty similar. And for the woman, you know, memorizing those choices, right, it's just based on their track. So it actually wasn't a monumental task to be able to do that live attention. When I because that's that's a part of it when I say that I finally saw that someone had been able to successfully deploy this idea. That's also part of it, is that it was a manageable experience mm. for the actor. So the- yeah. Yeah, so then what, so let's just, what happens, um, so let's say, uh, walk me through one point, let's just use this show for an example, then we'll move on to some more, uh, some stuff that you could do with Gameionics with the technology you have now, but, so you get to a certain point in the show, and then what happens, the audience votes, and then basically the show kind of resets, or how does it work? Yeah, and in that version, in that version of the show, and I'd love to talk about Twenty Side Tavern how it uses it now, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, no, that I want, well, I want to, I want to definitely do that. I want to go from the early yeah. tech to where we are. Well, so I had, so this was just, this was just conceptual. I had no tech in that show. My tech never ran that show. It was the educational polling software. So, so what would happen in that show is that the that and it was pretty simplistic, where the audience would make a choice and say, say this line, this line, or this line, right? And the consequence would be a point system inside the show. So the node didn't didn't change the narrative too dramatically in, from a structural standpoint. There were some, where do you want this couple to go on the date? Do they go to the restaurant? Do they go to the club? Do they go to this place? And then a scene would happen as a result of that. 
And, and then if there was a choice inside that scene, it'd be related to the point system. So it was a fairly basic structure about moving through what you're what you call, you know, a choose your adventure style experience. Um, but it, but again, it was a manageable way to be able to do that. And then the points would get tallied and then the ending would get decided. And the genie was always there to kind of help everybody along. Right. To make sure that no one really got lost in the narrative. But they never did. Um, you know, again, it was a fairly manageable thing. So so, you know what? But again, it was all it was all polling based for the audience, right? They would have A, B or A, B, C choices and whatever the most votes win. And that was the extent of the audience interaction was, okay. hey, here's the moment, vote, what do you guys want to do? And, and and that was it. It was just simple. It was simple polling. So that also was something that I wasn't terribly satisfied with because I felt there was, if you're going to move it onto the phone, you're going to move it into a web-based browser, what we we're planning on doing, there has to be more that we can do, which turned out to be very true. Mm -hmm. um, um, so yeah, so I worked on that show. I had I worked on that show like I had the option for a year, but I really worked on it for about six months before the author and I just kind of really butted heads on the creative direction of the show. Um, and 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 part of ways we're like how and so the next thing that I did was I had just opened Pups in New York. It was already a success. It was going really well. And I turned to the team that wrote Pups and I said, "All right, I I started building this technology. I have this technology." I have a production opportunity in, I think it was in 15, in 15, in early 17 at the University of Florida um, at Tampa. And we, we said, basically we said, write a show. I mean, we pitched, we pitched this, we pitched the university to come in and say, hey, give us a production slot, which they did. And we said, we'll deliver a show. And they're like, can we see a script? We're like, well, it has not been written yet, but we'll get one to you. And then we went back to the team and said, and, and we said, um, all right, write a show. They wrote a show uh, that was a, that was a Western. Um, and that was the first time that I'd seen the, that was the first time we used the actual software, the actual idiotic software married to a show. And that that actually unveiled my first major problem, which was I had which was because no one had ever really done this before, no one really knew what to do. And the, the problem is that the software became a gimmick rather than a tool. I was and gonna ask you that. That's nope. and that's something that we see in technology. You know, really frequently in that in that if if it's not if it's not deployed correctly, if it's not used as a tool to advance the story, then it simply just becomes this gimmick that gets old after a while. Um, the other thing that happened in that show that I think that I think is kind of it's kind of important because it's a, it's a problem that is still waiting to be solved. There's a there's a way to solve it, but you had a, a female protagonist on stage who was this character. Basically, you know, there's many, there are many iterations of that script over two and a half years, but but reductively, I'll say she she goes back to her hometown in Texas at the turn of the century to avenge her family, right, who have all been murdered by an evil gang. That was basically the the premise of this western, and and um um the 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 problem that we ran into for two and a half years is that the audience played the show as the protagonist. Right, they made all of the decisions for this woman in her journey, and what we what we realized is that you can't actually create a character that way, and that and that that there was no character that was actually being written. It was an it was essentially it was an empty vessel for the audience, and so you have this protagonist on stage that you're supposed to be following, but she's not, but she's ultimately not that interesting because there's no real character there, yeah. and and it was and that was that was part of. The gimmick making of of the gameotic software was that it was just kind of thrown in to do fun things, but the show wasn't really the show was way too linear linearly constructed in order for it to be able to work. Um, um, so that you know some of the choices 
And I, and I spent two years learning this problem, which is some of the choices that you were making had no consequence. Like it didn't matter. And of course, and, and if you're at, and, 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 and we see that in video, I mean, we see that in video games a lot. I don't know how big of a video gamer and many of your fans who played the Mass Effect series know exactly what I'm talking about when we get to the ending of Mass Effect 3, um, which is if your choices don't matter, what was the point? And and that that was a that was a really big stumbling block that 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 team could never ever find their way out of. And so you had it you and then and that's where you had this idea that gaming addicts is being used as a gimmick rather than something that was really advancing the art form, advancing the story, advancing the experience for the audience. So like I said, I worked on that two, two and a half years. Um and I did Last ditch in 2019, we did seven readings of the show over nine weeks to try and see if we could get this thing moving forward, see if we could learn learn about it. Um, and one of my uh, uh, partners from uh, Australia, a guy who I'd worked with in Australia, happened to be in New York. And he came and saw it. He walked out of the show and he grabbed me and he said, "And he said, um, here's the thing. He's like, you don't have a show. There's no show there. You have a platform. Go focus on the platform. And I was like, I'm like, really? He's like, you have a platform to build something. Get rid of the show, start over. And I was like, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars later, you're like, oh God. But you know, <laughs> it, it, none of that, none of that time was wasted because he was right. I mean, he was a hundred percent right. And I always credited him saying um, that that he instantly saw what the opportunity was for us, which was it wasn't it wasn't about the show, like. We needed to build the platform out first before, and really understood the platform that we're working on before trying to put a show on top of it. We were doing it all in the reverse order because we were mm -hmm. using the show to, to advance the technology, and and that was the wrong way to go about it. And I'm sure you've talked to other tech companies where you, know, you have a concept, you have a you have a need, you have a want, you have something that is um, 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 wanting to be fulfilled, but you know the technology's got to be multifaceted. It's got to be able to grow and do a lot of different things than what your original intent of it is in order for it to become scalable. And, you know, I had approached this certainly from a creative standpoint of, oh, I have this Western that is fusion adventure in style that it can, that want, you know, that wants to do all this audience, you want to do all these things that, you know, reference back to that very first show that I worked on. And truth be told, I, I shouldn't have done any of that. I should have actually just sat down and, and built out the platform. And, and luckily that's what happened during COVID. Yeah, so so you have Gameionics focused on the software, and then you have Twenty Sided uh, Tavern, which is focused on your own uh, theatrical productions connected to and utilizing the uh, Gameionics software. Is that is that yeah, how it's so, set up? So, yeah. so what happened um, was during the during the pandemic when 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 March of March of twenty twenty hit March thirteenth fourteenth, um, and live entertainment started shutting down. I remember um, I was trying to think, like, gosh, now what do I do? Right? Because all my money had disappeared. Everything had disappeared. Everything had just evaporated. <laughs> Everything just, yeah. like, a lot of founders went through that. Anyone who was raising in January to March can relate very deeply to, like, just one day, everything stopped. Right. Um, um, yeah, it was tough. It was, it was a tough time period. And, and like, I was, I was starting to get prepared for it because the market crashed the week before. I mean, just flat out crashed. And, and I had been calling investors and saying, Hey, you know, because what, what I was doing at that point was that I commissioned a new, I was doing, I, made, I, was making, I was in the process of making the same mistake again, which is I gathered a couple of artists together. I commissioned a new show. I said, this is what I want. This is what I want you to do. And they were all working on it and doing it exactly the wrong way in retrospect now. No, mm -hmm. I was just simply making the same mistake all over again. And, um, 
And so then the pandemic hit, and all that evaporates. Those those creative ran off with my money, um, and uh, wasn't very much. So it's fine. But like those the that and so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, all right, well, let, let, let's think of let's let's problem solve our way out of this. What's happening right now? There's no live entertainment. All right, here's what we're gonna do. I'm going to call my friends who are now all out of work all of a sudden, and we're going to build an online production company using Zoom as a platform, and we're going to use Gameotics as the connectivity for audiences, no matter where they are, if they're at home, anywhere in the U.S. or in the world, and we're going to put on shows for them using Gameotics. And, and that started a period of insane work that technically has still not ended, but, but it started a period of work where me and this wonderful group of people, some of them who I'm still working with right now, did 18 hour long shows in 20, I'm oh, sorry, did 20 hour long shows in 18 months, all on the Zoom platform every month. Um, um, uh, basically what would happen is that we'd pitch ideas in week one, we'd solidify it, we'd write a narrative map, we'd write a gaming map, we'd write for two weeks, we'd tech, rehearse, put it up. Because the actors never had to memorize anything, so they're all sitting at home in front of a camera. And we did branching narratives, we did murder mysteries, we did escape rooms, we did puzzle shows, we did game shows, um, we did like all manner of these hour-long shows and built up audience and a following for it. Um, and the thing that I was doing was saying, all right, can gameotics service this content? Can it do branching narrative? Yeah, check that off list. Can it do murder mysteries? Yeah, check that off list. What about game shows? Yeah, and all along the way, we kept building more features in the gaming out because it was one thing to have all my financing collapse, but I showed up three months later with a better idea, which is mm -hmm. I went back to my investors. Um, and if you remember, the deal flow in 2020 into 21 was insane. And I went back to a group of investors. And over the course of about 18 months, there was about a half million dollars into this new version of gaming out into this new company mm -hmm. um, that was purely a software company. And we were using that development task to, to test out the software in as many different places as we can. And I had engineers working for me um, who would then, like, well, basically what would happen in the creative process is that the writers would say, hey, can the software do this? No. Can it? Well, let me go ask. Yes, you can have that in two weeks. Great. Go write for that. And we just kept doing that over and over and over again. And so then the software really advanced. I mean, we really moved into a whole new place with the software during that time period because I kept getting asked, I want it to do more. I want it to do this. I want to try this with it, you know, along along with my own ambitions, um, but also with um, um, with the with this group of writers that I was working with. We had a ton of fun. It was super hard and super stressful. We had a ton of fun doing this. Um, mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, it was it was Zoom. Like it was Zoom. It was Zoom entertainment, and and I I can't argue enough against it to be honest with you because that Zoom entertainment is just not is not there yet. Is that no. like you know? Well, I mean, I think we saw we saw during the pandemic that um, that streaming entertainment didn't. I mean, live streaming entertainment, right? I'm not talking about Netflix or Hulu or Disney. They they're all fine. I'm talking like taking a live event and streaming it for people didn't mm. really take off in the entertainment spectrum outside of gaming. People yeah. still live stream. I mean, Twitch is enormous, right? But I'm talking about story driven entertainment. Didn't like streaming. Live streaming didn't work. 
No, I saw a lot of uh, comedian friends of mine as I used to be in that industry bombing <laughs> live yeah. on live on Zoom in front of three people. So it was uh, yeah. I saw a lot of the corporate entertainment comedians who could make ten thousand dollars for a one hour uh, comedy routine, cutting themselves down to two hundred and fifty dollars to go on Zoom and do comedy for a conference. So it was rough for a lot of people. But I want to ask you. So now, Gameionics. Yeah. I mean, looking at your website. So now you're. At least, uh, you know, marketing-wise, you're pushing out towards education, theater, sports marketing, live events, museums, amusement parks. Are you in all those arenas yet, or is that something that you're hoping to grow the company towards? Uh, we're, that's what we're growing the company towards right now. I mean, obviously, we're in live theatrical, obviously, um, and then and then I, I got I got my hands on a couple of other things right now. So, so what I learned. Uh, over the course of the pandemic about my software was at its heart, I, I it was a platform. There's no question about that. But what it did was that it's a two-way communication de device between audience and content during the course of a live event that gives the audience agency, either as an individual or as a group, to be able to make decisions that affect and change the content that's happening in real time. And that's what the, and that's what the software does. Um, so... We look at examples out at, in, at a lot of theater, but part of it is that it's a really, it's a simple piece of software that you can turn any space or any experience into an audience-driven experience. So when we look at the museum vertical, one of, my, one of the things that I'm working on right now um, is being able to build um, a, a a tour of a museum or, or what we would normally consider an audio guided tour. Audio guided tour is, is you know, you got to rent the, the hardware, you got to put the hardware on you, and you got to input the buttons as you're going. And then, you know, and you go from place to place to place. And it's a one-way interactive, um, it's a linear passive experience is what it is. I mean, it is it interactive that you get to pick, that you punch in the number for the next thing, but you're on a fairly <laughs> linear uh, path, right? In, in terms mm -hmm. of, in and, and you're, Inputs don't change anything that's happening. It doesn't change the journey, really, uh, what's going on. So what Kinyas can do is that it, first off, there's nothing, to, it's on your phone. You buy a QR code, or you, but you know, you buy it, you take it with a QR code on it, and then you're, and then you're into the software. Or you're, um, um, right. and, and what it allows for is for you as content provider, let's say, let's say with the museum, right? I'm the Van Gogh exhibit, um, okay. to establish a conversation with the consumer. And that conversation um, is is determined by how the consumer answers the questions you're asking them. Um, and so what and, and in that conversation, the conversation can go, and obviously there have to be bound, there are boundaries to it, the conversation can go many, many different ways. So do you want to you know learn about Van Gogh's sunflowers or you want to learn about a deer, for a lack of a better example right now? Um, and then that decision puts you on a journey, right? That then is also becomes multifaceted and you go on an adventure you go on a journey based on the input that you're putting in, based on the reactions that you are having the materials putting in front of you and the the goal being is like oh once you finish it you go back and do it again and you, and you make different choices you learn something else entirely that you're mm -hmm. able to take these ideas and instead of me telling you where to go your choices determine where you go on this journey and that's because that's the kind of experience I want to have in a museum, right? That's what I want to do. It's like I don't. I want to be able to have something that I'm interacting with, to have something that is that is that is changing to reflect the choices that I'm making and the experience that I'm having, rather than here's the thing. Because the point of gameotics, and it's the gamification of entertainment. The game of, but the point is, is that 
what we're doing is that we're we are we're building a platform to be able to provide experiences, but the next generation of experiences are dynamic. The next generation of experiences are 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 changing to reflect how it is that you are inter inter interfacing with them. A, a really good example of 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 something I used this as a marker uh, as I started to build a company years ago was the wand at Harry Potter World of all things, right? That is an eighty dollars piece of plastic with an RFID chip buried into it. It's a very lovely design. And it is a conversation that you have with the park. You have this wand, you go to these special points, you wave the wand, the RFID chip activates, and a thing happens, right? And that's magical. And that's what there's something left there. But it's not a conversation. It's very one way in terms of what it's doing. What I'm doing is I'm creating that concept of the wand, and you input, and then several different things could happen based on the choices that you've been making all along. And we're seeing it reflected in Star Wars now, um, Galaxy Quest at, you know, in Orlando, which is massively successful them. It, you know, that, that two-day, very expensive event. But you're starting to see on the high end, you have these media companies who are developing more and more sophisticated interactive experiences. And all I'm doing is building software for everybody to be able to do this. Um, and that's, that's the point of what getting honest, is that you can build your own branching narrative. You can build your own dynamic experience wherever it is. If you want to build a walking tour of New York City that, that is different every single time you do it, that's what Gameyotics is being built is, is being built to do right now. So that's where the that's where the software has really evolved to in that I'm doing group experiences like I'm doing a 20 side tavern right now, which we'll which we'll talk about, where the audience collectively is making decisions down to I want to go on a solo journey just about me. Or I want to go on a journey with just me and my five friends. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go on this thing together. That's 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 what the software is being built to do. That that's interesting. And let me go back. We I mentioned to you before the show. My wife has been to uh, forty seven countries, and uh, she had never gone to Broadway. I grew up ninety minutes from New York City, so grew up going to Broadway, seeing the Rockettes and such. So, um, yeah. I said to her a uh, few months back, it was her birthday. I said, "Listen, the way this world is going towards the uh, metaverse, which we've talked about in uh, extensively on this show to my audience," I said, uh, "We better go to Broadway now because God only knows what's going to happen." in the next few years my question for you is do you think that this technology obviously serving i'm 41 i would say people definitely younger than me i was the last generation who grew up without the internet in my pocket so i know what it's like to live without it i can sit through a play without being distracted by my phone does this save does your technology save live entertainment by adding this interactive element that maybe the younger generations will be interested in and get them back out out into seats uh, from the theater side of things. Well, I, I I don't think that live inter I don't think that live entertainment itself is in any danger. I feel like, especially coming through the two years of COVID, I think we know a hundred percent for sure now that at the end of the day, humans still need to be connected to each other. There's lots of us, especially me, like I like being at home watching Netflix. No question about that. This guy worked in Broadway for twenty years, right? Like, there's no question that exists, but you cannot replace gathering together as a community or gathering together as people. And, and COVID really hit that hit that nail on the head in, in that, oh, this is necessary and important. What I will say is how we do it is a constantly evolving form. I mean, musical theater in its current form, Broadway in its current form, 
didn't really exist the way it does today in the 1940s. Before that, it was vaudeville and reviews. It's a very different type of shows. Before that, it was opera, right? So there's always been a live stage component. I mean, certainly going back centuries and centuries now. And the art form that how it is that we're, we're consuming this entertainment is, ever, is, is evolving every century. There's no question like that. I think when you when we start talking about the metaverse, it's it the it, it's it's how I look at it's it's the same way that I look at um, how um, video games were able to find an enormous amount of success going from I'm at my couch playing this game and it's me against the game to me and my friends are playing this shooter game together collectively to Fortnite. And so, and so you have this, and I, and I think what the metaphor is doing is just is, is taking that next step from these large world, these large Fortnite world, and continuing to evolve that. I think what what Zuckerberg is is in whatever he's trying to put a pin on is saying, well, this is this isn't just going to be about gaming. This is going to be about this is going to be about entertainment. It's like okay, I'm like yeah, I buy that. Like yeah, no, I buy it. Like fine, there's there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is um, is what's happened what's happened in VR. Um, um, and, and AR for that matter. And everybody's like, I, I'm, not, I'm not a naysayer of either of these technologies in any way, shape, or form, but the problem that VR has had, because we've been hearing about the coming of VR for many, many, many years now. Oh, this is the future. And everybody, I'm sure you had the same experience that I do. The first time you put that VR headset on and you're wandering around, you're looking around, you're like, this is the future. I see this. This is amazing. And then about six months later, you're like, what's that thing sitting in the corner? Because that's what's happened to my VR head headset now. And the reason being is like, <laughs> it becomes there, a gimmick. There's, 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 yeah, because the content's not there. The, the, the content simply isn't there. And so you have this, you have Meta making this bet of, okay, well, we're going to put all the money behind making this universe and making this thing. Well, it's not, they, they don't have, they don't have enough money be, um, to be able to build all the content that's going to need to fit in that world. My main issue with all of this right now is consumer adoption. Um, and the problem, and me, and I say this as, a, as me as an individual, like I have a VR headset, but I have a, I have the second version of it, right? Like it's it's perfectly fine. It works perfectly fine. I like playing, you know, um, the game with the that you wave the this the, the a lightsaber game with the music, right? like whatever whatever that is. I, but I'm a platform gamer too. Like I'm a, I have a Switch, I have a PS5. I'm sorry, I have a Switch, I have a PS4, and I have an Xbox. Like like I love I love platform games. I love co-op games uh, that I play with my husband. I love playing with friends. Like all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm going to buy the next PS5. I'm going to buy the PS5 next. That's the next thing I'm buying. I ain't spending another six hundred dollars on on a, on the next gen VR headset because the mm -hmm. PS5 is going to be better. I want to play Horizon, right? So, so like they're 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 you know when when, when but sorry. No, no, this is good. No, 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 this is a great conversation because we're taking somebody who comes out of, you know, live entertainment out of production. This is fantastic. I love talking about technology and how it's affecting these industries. Myself, personally, as someone, like I said, that did not grow up as you did not with the internet in our pockets, we know what it's like to live in a world without uh, technology. Um, and so you, you struggling with it is, it's fantastic to see because it's the love of the live entertainment and then figuring out how to merge it appropriately with technology i think not to have technology replace the entertainment and the real world experience so if you look at the evolution of platform gaming because i because they're like netflix did a great you know things that made a series about this and i had an atari as a kid um i love you know played frogger 
But, you know, the, the content on those early console games weren't that great. Not for, I wasn't even Froggers. Like, what, what are they? They, weren't, they weren't that great. And what happened is, is that, that they, it shifted to the arcades. You remember, you remember malls. You're old enough to remember malls. Uh, yes. When malls existed. They don't think they're anymore. But the arcade, the arcade, you know, arcades and malls were huge, right? And the industry took tons and tons of money and put it into, into building content for console, uh, arcade consoles. Um, so, which I like, like now that's nostalgic, right? Now I'll go. There's a there's a place in New York called Barcade. Have you ever been to Barcade before? Yes, I have. Barcade yeah. is just oh, oh yeah, Barcade. I love Barcade. It's my favorite bar yeah. in New York. It's all video game consoles, all video game consoles. I play all. It's like a total nostalgia trip, right? All, yeah. all this money went into it, and then the Japanese brilliantly built the, the Nintendo box. But the, yeah. the most brilliant part of what they built it was Super Mario Brothers. And Super Mario Bros. wasn't originally available as a as an arcade game. You had to buy the Nintendo and then buy Super Mario Brothers. But they, but they, like Microsoft at the time, opened up their platform for other developers to build and profit off of their platform while them taking a hefty profit at the same time. And no one had ever constructed a like there wasn't anything out in the market. And Nintendo owned the platform gaming market for a decade. Right, that I mean, when we talk about first market advantage, when we talk about these things, what it comes down to with that that strategic move is like they had a platform that worked, that worked really well at home. Two people could play it together at the same time, and then they built Duck Hunt and Super Mario Brothers, which mm. were really good games, <laughs> right? Like they yeah. really were. Um, and and then and and didn't look back. And then it took it took ten years for Sony. And for um, and uh, for Sony and for um, the other the other platform companies to be able to come in um, uh, and like my only problem that I have with the Switch right now is like I'm not building enough content for the Switch. Mm. All I want to do is play my Switch all the time. But anyway, <laughs> it's not important. So so when so it's not just the platform, right? We're going back to this metaverse question. It's not just the platform; it's the content. You got to build content that that shows people that they can make money off of your platform. You've got to open the platform up in order to be. Uh, you know, an, an economy. And, and you know, that's the challenge that VR ran into. It's like the headsets work can't actually compete with the with the AAA games that are coming out for the PS5. They just simply, they simply can't with the type of experience. They'll get, and, and once they cross that bridge, there will be no looking back. Once a, a headset game is better than I can play on my PS5, then, uh, then I think we'll be talking. But who knows? Well, I, I mean, don't know when that day's coming. Well, let me ask you this, too. As someone who's obviously done all the research into this as you've been building these companies and, and uh, raising investment capital, do you see the day in, let's say, three years, five years, ten years, where people are going to put on you know, a VR headset, as we're talking about, enter Horizon Worlds or Decentraland and go to Broadway and watch a show that's as realistic as you'd see it in real life. Do you think that's coming or do you think that is a pipe dream? And if that comes, do you think people will adopt that or they will reject it or they will do that half the time and go out into the real world and interact with technology that you're developing? 